0: Hello, I'm Sophia. Welcome to season two of the I Made a Thing podcast. This project is all about helping those interested in business and in owning their own thing, in creating and doing something different and figuring out just how you can actually do that. When I wanted to do something different, I could only find American male role models. So here's something different made by Australian women featuring Australian women. Welcome back. now we have part two of our chat with fashion and editorial stylist, Kerry Carucci. That gets me thinking too around the skills of that you've, professionalism, I guess, that you've been able to bring from your previous work into your current business. It might be things like time management, it might be things like being able to use different software, it might be how you communicate with clients. What do you think are the, the skills that have really helped you that you've been able to, that were transferable into your, into your new business?
1: I think one of the biggest elements um, that really came across from engineering is obviously the fact of having to expect it's going to take twice the amount of effort to get something done. And I say that from a little bit of tongue in cheek where because I had to work so hard throughout my career to just build that rapport and to you know, have that reputation that I could converse on the same level um, with my peers and anyone who was um, obviously in that higher management, that in its own right somewhat prepared me to, in business, have um, a different opinion around expectations on things. And I think also that really translated not only from my career but also growing up and having um you know, the childhood that I did, it's that work ethic and it's that undeniable taurian, you want to, if you want to call it that really stubborn, but just the real drive to outwork anybody around me and not from a comparing or comparison point of view, but that's just, I just feed off that real work ethic. So that's definitely something that's translated down um, throughout my career. And I think also, reflecting back on even when I was studying externally and working full time and juggling, having, you know, a social life and catching up with friends and, you know, juggling relationships and all of those components that go into it. I think too, that just gave me um, the tools to be able to multitask and to really manage. I wouldn't say time management definitely, but also to um, manage your emotional state. Because ultimately, there's a lot of different, you know, strings. You're being pulled a little bit. The ragdoll saga kind of definitely relates to it as well. So I think that definitely branches from it. Uh, And then ultimately, too, I think having that um, resourcefulness. So understanding that if I didn't know something or had built relationships enough throughout my career, but also when I was moving in and still to this day, every single person, I believe, um, you know, that comes into your life, they come into your life for a reason, whether it's a blessing or a lesson, there's always a a way to connect. And I think by having and maintaining uh, a really great way to connect with people and just genuinely being curious about, you know, what that person does or perhaps, you know, just getting curious around them as a person can really play dividends, you know, down the path. I've even called upon people that I've worked with in engineering, you know, five, six, seven years ago, because I knew that they perhaps could connect me to a key person that would make my life, you know, a little bit easier, a little bit better, or perhaps I even had a client one day who needed to know someone within another organisation. And because I had already been connected with someone else, It's just being able to call upon those sorts of things. So resourcefulness is definitely part of that. And then I think the other skill probably is just having that sheer, I don't know, gumption? That's probably a good word, of just getting out of your own way and just acting on it and really just getting in that space and almost becoming like a bit of a bull at a red flag and just keep going towards that focus point or goal or whatever you're trying to achieve um, I definitely think that that's part of you know one of the things that comes into it the software side of things I mean that's it's one of those things that I think it's a skill but to be perfectly honest what I did in engineering doesn't really translate across Pinterest does Pinterest works really well but uh, (laughs) I feel like this whole podcast is going to be about Pinterest and that we reflect on it
0: I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. So a question that I get a lot is pricing. How do you price services? So tell me, Kerry, how you have approached pricing in effect? What is creativity and your ideas in a service offering? How did you tackle that? Did you look at other industries? Did you look to your peers? How did you go about pricing your services?
1: Uh, I obviously had quite a, um, quite a good grounding and a community that when I was studying um, through the realms of the Australian Style Institute, but then obviously working with incredible mentors um, and people that I admire in the industry and they are not just in styling in the styling industry but across the board in creative fields. And that's really where I governed you know, that price point was, but, and you have to know what, and looking at your peers, and know what the market is, because I think if you, if you don't do your research, and you're somewhat, um, not oblivious, but ignorant to what else is happening, then you're really going to do yourself a disservice, either way, either being a little bit um, naive to what, Really, you're offering, or you're actually undercutting yourself, given your experience, or given what you are bringing to the table. So, combination of yeah, definitely looking at my peers, but also chatting to people and understanding where you sit in the market, depending on what you, who you've worked with, what clients you've done, what skills, and you know, understanding the power of what you're doing personally to invest in your business and yourself. From a skill set point of view, you know, from a branding, marketing, are you, you know, liaising with a third party to help you with the copywriting? How are you um, furthering your skills that way? You know, have you undertaken some online courses to really articulate or, you know, move into different parts of your business as well? Like it's really, it's understanding from an overall point of view of your business and who you are, especially with service-based, um, businesses because people are interacting and your customers clients are they're buying a piece of you if that makes sense and because what you are offering them an experience and what you're offering them with insights and it's it's such a, a really broad knowledge that you're bringing to you know in part on them it's understanding what that looks like for you the other thing I think, and especially as women, I I personally definitely struggled with this, especially when I got into business. So for me personally, and I still struggle with it, to be honest, Sophia, it's just, it's the head and the heart plays in different elements, but also because I had always been conditioned to a salary, there's a completely different shift in mindset. You're no longer associated. And that was probably one of the biggest hurdles that I had in business even when I was trying to juggle and I'd made the decision to go part-time and I was juggling my business a little bit more and even when I made the decision to go full-time into my business it's a constant you almost need to just check yourself again because it's easy to run with the stories of comparing the salary and the weekly or fortnightly like hourly earnings because Somewhat, you are subconsciously associated to that because especially when you are, especially for my career, I was moving up the corporate ladder. You know, the next stage is always, you know, you're advancing yourself, you've got more experience, you're advancing yourself to um, another, a pay run in that respect. It doesn't really translate the same way um, across in business. So it's also understanding what you feel comfortable with and I think One of the biggest things that I actually got taught quite early on is being able to stand in front of a mirror and say to yourself, my rate is, you know, it's $50 an hour and start moving up the ladder with $60 an hour. What you'll notice, and if you focus really hard, again, human behavior, but if you focus really hard, there is a tipping point or uh, there is going to be a stage that you feel uncomfortable. There's just this little, it's a little tick and it could be a flinch of a finger. You might just move a little bit. Something will happen and you'll notice it in the mirror. And that's where you know is your somewhat boundary or your where you feel comfortable or where you don't feel comfortable. And it's then your choice as a business person, especially a businesswoman, to then know, okay. Am I going to lean on the side of uncomfortable or am I going to play safe? That's been the best advice that I've ever been given um, when it comes to pricing.
0: I love that idea. I think I might have to give that a go myself. It's a good one for my clients too, because even I personally struggle with this and it wasn't until I had, um, I guess someone that I really look up to in my industry say to me, you know, you're really undercharging and that's going to lead to people not respecting you in the industry and your client's not respecting you. So you actually need to do yourself and your industry a favour and charge what you're worth. And that was a big wake-up call for me as well. It's like, oh, okay, I'm actually letting my industry down too. Far out. All right. And that was kind of, I guess, the kick I needed to to charge really as per the value that I was providing. But I just felt when you're new, as you say, you're a woman, you're lacking confidence potentially And you don't have that client base yet. You're just trying to get some dollars so that you can, let's be honest, survive those early tough stages. So I think that's fantastic advice. Thank you, Kerry. We've touched on already the comparison trap. How do you, from a really practical perspective, stop yourself falling into it? Because like many creatives, I'm sure you spend quite a lot of time on social media Instagram, (laughs) Pinterest, what do you do? Yeah. (laughs) What do you do to stop it becoming a negative experience?
1: Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's something that I consciously work on every single day because you, it's so easy to, fall into the path of, and I've even caught myself where you've actually looked to someone who's super inspirational, but then there's almost this odd, you know, behavior that happens and you go from feeling inspired to then you're comparing yourself and you're comparing, you know, for me personally, what your work is, like, what am I putting out to, you know, my audience and my following and my community? Am I doing enough? Am I giving them enough support? Am I doing this? Have I, you know, there's so many different elements that come into it. And I think um, it's something that I have, yeah, I have to regularly check myself. But I also only follow people on my um, social media platforms that I really love and um, I get a sense of joy from seeing what they're doing. Um, And also... Having and following people that are, you know, they've been in the industry for a long time. I connect with their work, but I also, it allows me to get inspired. And even if I jump into the comparisonitis, it's allowing me to push to another level as a creative or as a stylist. Um, You know, they, they might be styling some incredible campaigns. And even, you know, someone who's doing the Gucci campaigns, like, That's so, to me, I'm like, wow, that's incredible. And to compare myself to that, it doesn't happen because it's so beyond, but having that as an element to what I am comparing my work to is going to push me harder and push me out of creative elements and to think outside the box and just, yeah, almost just get better in that respect. But the comparisonitis, I think, also can happen when you're you're not in alignment so you've kind of come off the path of where you're heading and I think personally and we're obviously recording this in amongst still a bit of the chaos of COVID but that's where when outside factors that you really can't control um, can somewhat derail you know what perhaps your plans were or You know, it's somewhat it might for me personally, like there's certain elements that may have clouded your vision, like long term vision because of where we are at the moment. And I think that's where it's easier to fall into that comparison, um, you know, rut, so to speak, because you've lost sight of that bigger picture and you've lost sight of what your purpose is and why your unique offering you know, is on the market in that respect. It's coming back down to, and even, um, you know, understanding then why, understanding your why and why you're doing your business to start off with and why you are backing yourself and why you've made the jump or you've pivoted, coming back to that seems to give a different or you you get the grounding of why you went there but also perhaps you come to it with fresh eyes, given the circumstance. You might have compared yourself to someone on social media. They're doing all of these incredible things. And then for me personally, I'll share. Um, I've even, being in COVID, obviously, we're sitting there going, well, maybe I should start a podcast and maybe I should start this and I should start all of these things. And as much as they're all incredible ideas, I had to really check myself and go back to the fact of, saying why am I feeling the need to do that and actually quantify why you're being or you're comparing yourself to someone in that element and if it resonates to you to say well I think it's because I need to do this well then somewhat you just turned a bit of a negative comparison back into a positive because you're kind of reflecting it back onto yourself and looking at your business holistically and again long term so you're kind of moving that state But it's when you go down the rabbit hole of just comparisonitis, 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 um, is where you can get into a really hard space because you start to question, why am I doing this? Is this all worth it? We all get it and you will get those voices. I suppose there's no point sugarcoating it to say that it's all going to be easy and it'll be amazing and you won't have all of these things come up because, that is an absolute lie, and to say that it's not a daily thing, there's always a some sub, like subconscious of something of going. Should probably do a bit more. I probably should have sent three more emails before I went and had that second call. Do you know, like there's all these silly little things that, in the grand scheme of things, is really nothing. But those little subconscious thoughts start to add up, and then obviously having social media, which is an incredible platform it can also be something that is a really big rabbit hole. It really is.
0: So when you're, let's take an example of Instagram because we're on all on there and we're maybe following people that aren't great for our mental health and aren't great for our business productivity because, as you say, we end up down the rabbit hole. They cause us to be distracted. I, I talk about old Sophie's smarter than current sofe and, and what I mean by that is when I sit down quietly and calmly and, and work out my business strategy and have these great ideas and say, yep, so I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, might be three top things neck minute I'm on Instagram bit like you I'm like oh should I have a another podcast should I write a book should I do this should I do that oh you know Sarah's doing that do I need to do that oh my god I'm terrible because I'm not doing that I'm a failure I mean you know and like it just spirals and I have kind of got to the point now where I can call myself out on it and say okay well I'm going to unfollow that account that's the first positive step I'm going to take the second positive step I'm going to take is probably go to bed because it's probably like 10:30, 11 o'clock at night if this is happening so I'd love to hear what do you do to kind of get yourself to call yourself out on your your own bullshit and nip it in the bud now that you've been doing your business for a little while and you can recognize maybe the symptoms of a comparison issue happening
1: yeah definitely i think the key thing if you're getting quite rattled by um a person or a brand or an account or just that constant like if you're noticing it's changing your state and you're getting apprehensive about it, you do need to unfollow because clearly there's something there and it's not serving you. Um, And it's the same thing. I mean, even I've had even some, you know, really good friends of mine that perhaps they're, they're not feeding my creativity or inspiration by what they're particularly posting. And I've actually messaged them and said, look, I hope you don't mind, but on my business account, Um, I'm going to have to unfollow you because I really just want to have a curated following that allows me to stay in that space and stay in that, um, you know, in that industry. And it's really, it's quite important, I think, because what we don't realise is how um, susceptible we are to the information that we're being overloaded with somewhat. Um, We have obviously, again, that part in the back of our brain our RAS, Reticular Activating System, you know, that's the filter. And if it's basically filtering things that are similar to in, like each other, you want things that are going to serve you personally, but also serve you as a business and a brand and what that looks like for you because you need to be in that um, energetic space. So the other thing that I do, apart from unfollowing, is then journaling it down or writing it down so that particular thing or if it's triggered me or there's why why am I seeking whatever I'm comparing like is it perhaps I just think I'm not doing enough or also looking at it you know what am I doing or what have I been focusing my energy on instead of doing that So just because someone has made the most courageous decision to start a podcast um, and they are a stylist, Honoring why I'm feeling, you know, that way, um, and then also understanding. So, what have I been doing in the meantime? Well, I've been focusing on a different platform, or I've been focusing on curating more content out, or you know, I'm focusing on doing something else. And then it somewhat calls yourself out, going, "Well, and I'm probably the worst for this because the realism is we only have 24 hours in the day, but you can only do so much." Um, with those twenty four hours and you've got a bit of a choice. You can either I'm of the firm belief you can either do fewer things to an absolute incredible level, or you do a lot of things that are going to be at an okay level, but it's not going to have something that is going to be of a high standard. And I think for myself and even my brand, I'd much rather do something at a high standard than not at all. Um so that's where you somewhat check yourself to go, well do you want to be doing all of these things at a okay level or stick in one lane or stay in your own lane so they say um, and focus on that one thing at a time and I think that's probably where you kind of for me personally how I'd pull myself back out of the um, the rabbit hole it still happens though let's be honest it's a daily exercise
0: (laughs) I think it's important to talk about though hey because we're only human you know we like shiny things
1: Oh, me too. More so me. I sit there and I'm like, oh, that's nice, which is not good. I mean, it's brilliant for all of my incredible clients because it means that I'm over and on top of all of the latest offerings and know exactly where we can get things from. But even from alone, it's, it's more so um, understanding is that shiny thing actually adding sparkle to your life? Oh, that was good. It was oh. good. Well done. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of true, though, isn't it? Like, oh, totally. Fact, yeah, hmm. that's a good one. I actually quite like that. I hmm. oh, Actually, Very stylish,
0: um, yeah. Let's get that. Uh, let's get that on a on a Pinterest post, hey? Actually, <laughs> you're like, I've got to go. <laughs> Something's come up. <laughs> I mean, thing. Got- While we're talking, (laughs) I'm kidding. no judgment. You you know, you do you. You gotta gotta get those pins (laughs) happening. Another piece of advice I received, which has helped me and helped my clients is if you see something, ask yourself, had I cared about that before I saw it? Had it even ever remotely occurred to me? Or am I just suddenly wanting to do this because I saw someone else doing it? And then if you answer, well, I'm not entirely sure, but I do, I do really want to do it, then sit on it for at least a couple of months. And if it's an expensive or risky decision, potentially 12 months, as long as that's not an opportunity that, you know, that you have to jump on. And if you still really want to do it after that set amount of time, then yes, go for it. Invest in it. But as we've said before, you've only got so much time and you've only got so much energy. So, what, what else is going to give to replace that? And the example I can give you is before I started being involved with the podcast, I was going to do this blog series and I'd actually approached quite a few people to be involved. The opportunity then came up to do the podcast and I did sit on it for a while and I did think about it and I, in the end, I decided to pursue it. But I decided I couldn't also do the blog. I really just had to focus on one thing. So the blog had to give. And yes, I was disappointed. But I knew that the podcast would more than make up for that. And so that was the right decision for me and my business. For someone else, it might not have been. So by, yeah, just giving yourself some time to think about it and say, okay, is this, is this really what I want? And do I still want it after that piece of time? I mean, I think that can apply too for actually <laughs> in the style world too, probably with, with shopping and with choosing key pieces, is this just something that's shining and caught my eye or is it something I really want in my wardrobe? Definitely.
1: And I think that's using, you know, that point of reference, as you just mentioned, like really sitting on it and that's probably, you know, a really great space. I mean, 12 months for me, and especially in the world of fashion stylings, perhaps, not as relevant, but personally, what I adopt and even with my clients, um, we talk about the rule of three. So you found an incredible piece and you've tried it on and, you know, you definitely love it. Cool. Go away. Think about it. Think about how it's working back in your wardrobe. Is it something that is going to be, you know, sustainably used in your wardrobe over, you know, a longevity of, you know one, two, three years? Is it a piece? Is it more of a, an investment piece? Is that staying in your wardrobe for 10 years? Is it something that you can pass down to your children? These are all considerations that you can put into it. And then also invite people. There needs to be at least a week space between that first try on to that. And then if you are still thinking about it after that week and then you've gone back and you've tried it back on or you've rethought really about you know, the different purpose of it, and you can justify it and feel okay with it, the mirror strategy comes up again. So stand in front of the mirror and ask yourself, do I really love this? Do I really need this? And it's almost, again, subconsciously, you're asking yourself that question. But if there's any sort of uncomfortable nature or behavior, then you know that there's something else that's just not allowing you to go down that path. And that's It sounds a little bit, you know, cliche and even when I've spoken to a couple of my clients about this, they think it's a little bit funny but it actually works. It really does and I think even I do that and I actually did that with the podcast idea because for me it was more so, again, writing down what the benefits were of it, you know, what it could do for my business but also what was the cons of it, what else was that taking time away from, how much um, investment from a monetary basis is that going to then you know mean for me in my business is that the right time to be doing that right now also how am i sitting with that personally do i feel prepared and again we go we were speaking about you know being able to put out for me personally had to be at a high level and high quality because that's just the person that i am can i do it at that high level that i would be really content and happy with putting it out there because it is a part you know, it's a part of your brain, but also it's your voice, your opinion and what you believe in. Would I have the capacity in my schedule to be able to curate that um, at the moment? And that's where, and then the mirror strategy, when it come down to the crux of it, it's just not the right time for me um, to do that and pursue that right now. So then you somewhat, you start to, um, yeah, you, you start to make different arrangements and you start to make different considerations And that's where I think there is power in that decision-making because I think it's so easy to go down the path of, even for me, Sophia, like the blogging, I think people really underestimate how hard blogging actually can be. Like it's very time-consuming and you really need to just, especially when you're guest blogging and you're you're interpreting, you're doing research and you're really curating something. And visually, I mean, for me personally, I love a good visual Blog to scroll through as well, but it's easy on the eye. There's enough balance between pictures, and there's enough balance between you know words. It's not too long. You know, there's all of these happy mediums to find. And then again, it's like, well, what else am I doing? Is this person doing that? Should I be doing? It? And then you start down this path again. So I think that's a really good way to be able to create somewhat a decision-making strategy around what's serving you as a person as a business and for your client um, and also for your schedule because something along the line has to give.
0: That re- leads really nicely into, I want to know a bit more about how would you define your leader, uh, your leadership and decision-making style in your business?
1: <laughs> um, style, well, tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a style sense, I think... Um, I, I wouldn't say that I am a, um, a risk. Oh, I somewhat am. I sit between quite conservative and then I do take risks sometime. Uh, but I definitely, I'm so fortunate to have such an incredible network of people in my life, both my close family. Um, I have, you know, amazing friends that are also in business, in their own industries that bring such incredible insights and just different knowledge bases as well. And then obviously working with really amazing mentors makes it really easy because they're already in the industry as well. Um, But one of the hardest things that I definitely had to develop when I was moving into doing this full time is somewhat finding the happy medium between making fast decisions and making strategic decisions because it's so easy to, you know, somewhat shy on the side of making fast decisions. And given the industry that I am in, things happen very quickly, very, very quickly, especially if you're working with a client. And there's a lot of, you know, even, for example, you know, quite a large campaign shoot. Uh, there's a lot of parties involved. There's stakeholders involved. There's talent. There's creatives. There's photographers. There's, um, you're working with PR companies to be learning. You're using things. There's pickups. If you've got an intern working with, you're managing that person. All the while, you're still trying to keep the wheels in motion of what you're doing as a person for your business. And then you're still trying to juggle, obviously, the person that you are outside of your business. So there's all of these different components that you have to be quite quick on your feet and you are making quite, you know, fast decisions given the environment and circumstances. In that element, it's okay because you're in the motion of things. But it comes down to making decisions when you're throwing a spanner in the works, which we're all sitting in. And... Um, You know, having to curate uh, different offerings of what that looks like or decision making perhaps, especially in the startup stages, decisions around cash flow, what that looks like for you Um, and decisions around one of the biggest things for me, I think, especially when I was starting out in styling was the decision to make um, a branding change and actually moving into first off making the decision that I was like finding that component of self-worth and that I was worth that in my business and this was real um, and this was something that I was pursuing. This was no longer the passion project. This was something that was going to be bigger than I had ever anticipated, but also allowing it to be bigger than I could even see it. And I think that's where it seems so, it seems quite small, but the reason that was such a pivotal point, even in my business, because it actually opened up doors from, you know, an incredible team that did my branding here in Brisbane. Um, They started to see what I was offering on a worldwide international level, but also past that. And not that you want to be defined by just a a logo, a branding, how you're putting yourself forward, but what it allowed me to do even in my decision making, it was a pinnacle part of backing myself and making the decision to invest in that branding, but also backing myself to make the decision That anything was possible from here on out. It meant that I could be working with one day the likes of a brand like Gucci or Louis Vuitton or something incredible and esteemed or perhaps it means that I'm creating my own fashion label or shoe line or perhaps it just means that my name is presented the same as Tom Ford. You don't know and I think that's where the difference where having that decision-making process is more about having strategic action. But I'm such a firm believer that having that network around you allows you to become a better decision-maker because you not only start to back yourself personally personally, but there becomes a pattern in how your decisions are evolving. They're no longer trivial decisions, they become part of a really large um, game plan in what we call life or in what your business is.
0: Just from the short amount of time I've known you, Carrie, and our work together so far, you've mentioned quite a few people, professional, family, that have supported you on your journey so far what role has your network and the people around you, whether you're paying for their services or whether, whether they like it or not, family <laughs> are along for the ride. What, how important have they been to your success today? Oh, hugely, hugely. They, they, and
1: I, I honestly wouldn't be um, where I am today, both professionally and in business, without that, because I think there's no there's no shortcuts in business, and there's no way to kind of give that sugar coating that it's just going to be all easy. There's more, and I think anyone who is moving into that um, industry, and if you are listening to this, and you're thinking about making the shift. There's no reason to actually tell you that it's all going to be rosy and it's going to be just this most incredible thing 100% of the time. It's really not. You're going to have face-down moments and you're going to start to question why am I even doing this? Like is this really something that I am purposely, you know, driven by? Am I passionate about it? Is this worth it? Do I need to make this decision? Like I don't know if I can do this any longer or you might get you might get a really crappy email from someone, you know, a complaint or like something may happen and it, there's, there's no way to prepare for that. It's just part of what you will interact and it's going to make you a better business person and a better person in the long run being able to work through those circumstances. But ultimately, without a really um, close network to just keep you ticking along and keep moving through even those really crappy circumstances, all those days where everything that could have gone wrong went wrong or even perhaps some literally you're waiting for all of this incredible new stock to arrive for a shoot that you're shooting tomorrow and it's lost on the train. Like things happen all the time, right? It's absolutely one of the worst things that can happen ever. And you go into freak out mode and literally, the shit's hit the fan, like without saying, but that's, and it's just life, things, things won't go to plan, and to expect that your business, and life, and everything, and if anything that's taught, even me personally, what anything's taught us, even the last few weeks, random things happen all the time out of our control, but it's more so about how you react in that moment, and how you move through it and to say that even I've been able to just stay positive the whole time even throughout COVID has been an absolute lie. I've had so many emotional face down days because you don't really know how it's affecting your business and the plans that you had and the incredible opportunities that you had secured and the amazing clients that you can't work with the way that you may have wanted to. And it's just being okay with that as well. But without that support network, both from an emotional level, but also sometimes because they're not directly involved in your business completely, they have a clear and completely subjective point of view that when you're in your business, working on your business and in the crux of it and in the trenches, because that's really sometimes what it feels like, you cannot see the light of day. You just, you get caught up in your own sphere and then you'll have someone who's outside just give you a little bit of a tap on the shoulder and say have you thought about doing this and you think no I didn't and now that makes so much more sense and I've just wasted three hours doing something or I've just like had a meltdown and I just cried and we've got that out of the road but and it's just it's having that complete and utter support or even when things really do go to absolute crap and there's nothing anyone can do about it and you just have to write it out and you just have to see it for what it is it's then just saying knowing someone's there to support you um and just say it's going to be okay um tomorrow's a new day
0: (laughs) yeah i i think it's it's very easy to think if you're a sole trader or when you're first starting out, I'm going to do this by myself. I have to learn everything by myself. I have to do everything myself. I can't afford to get help. I'm just going to do it all and it's going to be great. As we both know, that is a complete recipe for disaster because just as you've pointed out, it's a total roller coaster ride. Like you are on the highest of highs one minute and then tomorrow you could be crying into your cereal. Like it's, that's just business. That's yeah. the nature of the beast. And you got to buckle in because <laughs> it's a long ride. <laughs> yeah. But by having those people in your life, and I, and I think it is really amazing you know if you have a supportive family not all of us necessarily have that but if you have that and then in addition have say a business mentor or a business coach or a fantastic accountant or some other professional who you can talk to who will just listen they don't necessarily even have to have solutions but someone you can bounce ideas off that can be a complete game changer for your business you've mentioned before Kerry that you have had a few mentors in your life What importance have they played, and can you give us an example about where they've helped you with a key business decision?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Extending, even just, I mean, mentors are such a huge component of it, but touching more of you just uh, mentioned like having people like a really great accountant. It's almost in business, and that was something that I really underestimated very early on. Having people that are in your corner, so having an incredible accountant or bookkeeper that if that's not your strong suit or you don't enjoy it I mean I'm not someone who loves doing all that stuff as I mentioned we mentioned before so having someone who is somewhat removing that um, decision making from a place of you know uncertainty to someone who that's their expertise that's their craft that's what they know putting someone you're putting your trust in them to assist you in that allows you to have more brain capacity for other components. And the same thing that even if you need a business coach to coach you through different things, nothing can kind of prepare you for business. And I think that's where even I personally underestimated that as well, thinking that you can do it all yourself and, um, be able to develop and learn and undertake things and be on the ground and be in the business and on the business and doing everything, you really can't. So having that support network even from a professional level and in their expertise is really, really important. Not to say that you can't learn components of your business and understand how it all works, but I think leveraging that um, and really seeing the value in when you're not stressing around not knowing something it allows you to do more of what you're good at and what are somewhat what we call high paying activities. So things that are actually moving you forward um, with your business um, or towards clients or opportunities, etc. As far as my mentors um, are concerned, I think there's so many, there's so many different people that have played such a huge part in my journey personally, and even from the stages of, as we mentioned before, like pony club and like that sort of disciplinary um, quite early on and it can come from coaches and those sorts of things in that element but even in my styling business in particular um, having someone who is constantly they understand your industry but also constantly moving you to the next step and even if you don't know that they're doing that they're somewhat shaping you into a better person, for me, a better stylist, um, but also just a better businesswoman to understand, you know, the pros and cons of a situation or, you know, unpacking why perhaps you may have missed out on an opportunity, how can you move past that, how can we do better? Um, To give you that constructive criticism as well of perhaps something you've missed but also just to create that inspiration around when you are in the business all the time you become a little bit tunnel visioned around it and also having someone who keeps you accountable to somewhat recognize your accolades or your achievements because one thing that I noticed very early on it was very easy to just move to the next thing and as much as I'm so incredibly grateful for all of the amazing opportunities and incredible clients I get to work with, it's quite easy to somewhat move past that quicker than you need to without really feeling the full gratitude of what you learned from that opportunity, perhaps really dissecting what, you know, working with that person means for your business long term. You know, perhaps for me, like... I've worked on a really incredible campaign and there was a few different stakeholders involved. Perhaps there's opportunity now to really nourish and really build rapport with those relationships that I've met with those people because perhaps in two, maybe 12 months, two years, three years, I don't know, perhaps there could be another opportunity that comes up from that. Or perhaps it means that, I might find myself on another shoot that I need to refer someone else to and you become that connector within the industry. There's so much I think around that and it's having someone to keep yourself in check of both the positive and the negative side of your business because ultimately that's the hardest balance. It's being it's being okay with the negative part and moving through that but also spending enough time in really acknowledging the positive side.
0: I'm so glad you mentioned that because the final question I wanted to ask you is actually about how you've decided to define what success looks like in your business and share with us a recent success that you've had in your business.
1: So I personally had to do a lot of work in this area personally, to redefine what success looks like for me because the conditioning that I've always had for myself, given the circumstances of where, um, like, having that corporate and having that more, um, it's a completely different perception of what success really looks like. And I think for me personally, success now looks like, you know, being able to support myself um, as both a, a woman um, and being able to have the accessibility that there's always an abundance of opportunity and there's always an abundance of resources out there. And it's really having that um, somewhat selection of, you know. The places that you can go with it. So you have you've worked yourself into such an incredible, um, you've got such incredible rapport with people in the industry, but also just with people around you that you are front of mind when anybody mentions they need to work with someone, or they need someone to help them transform their wardrobe, or there's an incredible new um, brand that needs to launch their label in a huge campaign. Um, Perhaps there's a speaking opportunity with a corporate uh, company that needs assistance in bringing on undergrads. Perhaps there's all of these different elements. Ultimately, for me, success looks like being front of mind at such a diverse range um, of different people, so whether it's personal styling clients or across the board. And that's Australia-wide and also having the opportunity to undertake international opportunities. That's what success really looks like in my business. Both personally, though, it'll, success looks like something that allows me to just keep pushing and keep growing. Um, and I will always feel successful when I'm pushing the envelope a little bit more because it allows me to then grow um, as a creative. But it also keeps me inspired. And I think if there ever gets a point um, that I lose that, then perhaps it means that, you know, I've kind of reached that point of re- it needs realignment, or perhaps it's just <laughs> it's at a different level. Like, and I think that's where it's knowing where somewhat your limitations are in what you what you know or you feel is where you want to go, but also there's also infinite opportunities. And I think it's having that at your fingertips is where success
0: really lies. Ah, oh. love it. <laughs> I feel, I'm just want to write that down. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Kerry. What a amazing conversation i really enjoyed it and i feel like i learned a lot so i really hope that our audience will get so much from this remind us how we can find you again
1: absolutely so if you type in kerrycarucci.com.au on your website or you can check me out on instagram kerrycarucci underscore stylist
0: thank you so much
1: thanks for having me
0: If you're loving the I Made a Thing podcast, make sure you follow along in your podcast app. Give us a rating or review and tell your friends and family so we can spread the word.